I met up with the band sisters on a Sunday night at Dugfer. We hung out in the green room, chatting as the opening band Cardioid soundcheck in the main room. They were probably like... Hello? Emily Westman and Andrew Vate make up the Seattle-based pop duo Sisters. They aren't actually sisters. We've known each other for a long time. We went to college together like 10 years ago. We were the opposite of married when we met. (laughs) What is the opposite of married? Uh, uh. (laughs) Yeah, we weren't sisters. We weren't married. We were were just kind of floating out there in, in the nebula. Nebulae. Yeah. Nebulous. Nebulous. <laughs> Nebulae. We were getting nebulaid. <laughs> <laughs> so we were out there in Miami, not married. Not married, not sisters. Yet. Yet. That's on this week's episode of Gritty Birds. Stay tuned. This is Gritty Birds, an X-Ray FM radio show and podcast all about the grit behind successful artists and creatives. 107.1, 91.1 Portland, Oregon, and you can find me on all major podcast outlets. My name is Jenny Renstotrup. Welcome. I'm Jenny. Would you like to introduce yourselves? You're here on the Gritty Birds podcast. My name is Andrew. I'm Emily. We're sisters. We're sisters. We usually do that in unison, but we're sisters. There, we lean in. Emily and Andrew started off their day, like most true Northwesterners, with Sunday brunch. Uh, I made myself oatmeal. No, my wife made me oatmeal while I got ready to play this show. Um, And then we loaded the gear in the rain, and then we just hit the road. Yeah, I had um, some eggnog cake donuts from Top Pot Donut and mimosa an orange mango mimosa and like some really good scrambled eggs yeah really good and then um, just showered and packed up you did so much this morning. I did so much they're both married to other people and share a boundless energy both on stage and off it's a feeling that's contagious I feel like you laugh at most of the things I say I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're pretty, we're like easy targets for each other. It's, it's like so easy. If he made a fart joke on stage, I wouldn't be able to stop laughing for the rest of the show. Chance. Yeah, she's like a giggle factory. <laughs> <laughs> it's not hard. Uh, and then I, f- I generally find pretty much everything Emily says to be interesting or amusing or like some like combination thereof. Can you tell a fart joke right now? I really got a fart. <laughs> well, that was really easy. Andrew's wife described him as perpetually happy. He has boundless optimism and levity. From their first meeting at University of Miami, Emily knew this. I mean, the, fir- the, o- the first time that I think I recognized you as a person is when you were the drummer for the Bat Boy musical. Oh, yeah. Sure, I played drums for most of the theater productions, right. and you were involved in that. I was, I was involved with, with the theater kids, and, so, and then all of a sudden there was this Emily Westman drummer mm-hmm. chick playing in the pit for 
Bat Boy the Musical, which is fairly out of sight. So that's that's where I first became aware of you. Sure. And I think Ashley pointed you out to me, and, I, and then I recognized you from seeing you around, and then we we were probably... Look! At, look, it's Andrew Vate. That guy, she said, that guy's feet are not on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> not. Still. <laughs> Treading. Air. Yeah. The pair grew up on opposite sides of the U.S., Andrew was in Alaska, lusting after percussion. The, the Sears catalog would would um, would come to Alaska, and I would look at the drum sets. Yeah. And I was listening to Green Day, and I thought there just couldn't possibly be anything cooler. I like the memory of it; kind of makes my mouth water, mm-hmm. in a weird, <laughs> non-sexual or or like hungry hungry way. Right? Yeah, Pavlovian. Meanwhile, Emily was in Miami, learning the marimba. That was the instrument that I was the most, I mean, that I excelled the most on all through my schooling, and the instrument that I've never gotten to own. So once I was out of school, I've never, I've never really had access to one again. I've borrowed marimbas now and then, but it's such, it's like a whale of an instrument, and they're really expensive, and I've just never gotten a chance to own one. So I'm always drawn to one because it was like, my long lost friend, you know, when I see one now and I, it's sad, but I have to play one when I see it every time. Yeah. That's yeah. unusual that someone would study an instrument all through school and then not ever own one after that. It's like real sad. <laughs> I definitely related. My piano teacher when I was in fifth grade told my parents that instead of doing flute, which I did for many, many years, that I, I should have actually just gone ahead and been a drummer. My parents probably also looked at Sears catalog with a very different kind of look and were like, uh-uh, uh-uh. I never got the drum set. I really like playing flute. So if, if there's a flute, if there's a flute lying around and it's, it's just like so light and kind of like I could walk around and play it. And then, any and then any synth that sounds like a flute I'm most likely going to be drawn to um but I really I think honestly if it was a room full of everything and then there was just like a drum set I would probably just like if if you said you can play one instrument five minutes and that's all you ever get to play again I would probably sit down at the drums even though I'm not a drummer at all because it's the most fun instrument. Eventually, they both landed in Seattle with all the other transplants. Most people aren't from Seattle that are in Seattle now, but some are. But neither of us are originally from Seattle, but we've both lived there for eight years now. None of us are originally from anywhere around here. Are we all immigrants? Who knows where we're all from? Maybe we're all from somewhere else so like really nobody's from seattle i mean where you where some of the native americans they might be from around here the duo worked hard to define their musical relationship trying on different roles emily is the master of the drums andrew is on synths and together they create a dance party um i played drums a few times early on in sisters um 
but we've moved past that. We used to switch. We used to switch stations for a couple of songs, and I would be at the keys, and he'd be at the drums, and it was a, it was kind of a flashy move, yeah. but we've graduated from that now, and we just mostly stay in our places. Sisters has taken their party throughout the city and beyond and gotten notice, including City Arts, who described their sound as tropical skittles and clean cocaine. I thought it was so on point. I was like, that's the best description I've ever heard of us. I was just reading through last night, actually. Um, we sent the album to a f- like a small ha- handful of friends, and we asked them for specific feedback on different things. And one um, one of our friends described the album or sisters in general as um, gumdrops with extra sugar. That was Trails. It's one of the singles released off their upcoming debut LP, Drink Champagne. Sisters are both active in Seattle Rock Orchestra and have become a go-to backing band for artists across Seattle. We love backing up hip-hop artists. (laughs) We love hip-hop, and we really have gotten to work with some awesome uh, hip-hop artists, and we want to continue to do that. And I could see us even getting into production, and 
you know just doing doing all kinds of stuff tell us more about the hip-hop thing i'd love to hear more about who you've been working with well uh saul did a remix of one of the songs from our ep and we've worked with him numerous times uh i i played in his band for his release show at the showbox in seattle and then um he's appeared on stage with us i think numerous times and then we 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 also worked with um porter ray uh who's a sub pop artist for a show that we put together in seattle at westland distillery and we basically backed him up for his set and then he came and joined us on a few of our songs and we're going to be we're going to be carrying that style into our um, into our release shows in Seattle, and we're going to just invite a bunch of our friends to join us, and we're going to back them up and be their band, and then they're going to join us on our songs from our album. That's, that's kind of more how we like to how we like to roll than just being asking a friend to open for us. You know, it's like why don't we all just put on one big concert together? No more four band bills. Ugh, yeah. Taking their electric onstage show and making it pop was a challenge Emily and Andrew were up for. It was helped along by the opportunity to record at renowned Pacific Northwest recording studio Bear Creek with producer Ryan Hadlock. Also mythical. I mean, it's like you're in the woods and there's a treehouse recording studio and everything's just like, like something out of a Steinbeck novel or something. Like you can hear the wood when you're walking around and it's just like really unless there's music it's almost like really quiet and beautiful and like there's deer i don't know there's there's deer and other creatures i'm sure which inform the whole experience Mm -hmm. um there's like a smell like a wood smell like a barn Mm -hmm. it is a barn but like without the hay Mm -hmm. and the horses and the cows there's a hot tub. Yeah, Bear Creek is a it's a wonderful place. Emily finally showed Andrew a real marimba that wasn't made for kids. You got to be a little familiar with like a real crazy marimba, that five octave marimba we used on the record. That's like a different thing. Yeah. And that's that's the first time I had ever seen a marimba as like a real actual instrument, like not as like a xylophone. Mm-hmm. Well, a xylophone is a real instrument. I like how he brought that back to me because he was like, um, what just happened here is she went, it's, a, um, the xylophone's a real instrument. And he goes, nope. And passed it back, <laughs> which was, uh, which was a nice, <laughs> oh yeah. Andrew shrugs right here. This is where Andrew shrugs being at a studio like bear Creek was humbling. It was exciting especially with the likes of one of the biggest acts in the U.S. literally waiting outside while they were recording. I think what's hard about going into somewhere that almost feels, I don't want to say this, I don't want to be self-deprecating, but almost feels above you as a new band when you walk into a really like well-known studio like that, um, you don't want to be wasting anyone's time. Right. That's And that's a tough feeling when you want to really be exploring ideas and like not 
like time's the last thing you want to think about if you like discover some new weird instrument in the corner this dusty thing and you're like how could we make use of this and then you're still like oh we're really like paying money to be here right now or like people are doing us favors right now or whatever and 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 like you gotta still power through and be on point and like do a couple of takes and get something out of the way you kind of feel like built to spill is like outside and they're like waiting to record and you're like sorry we're gonna just wrap up real quick or like neutral milk hotel if they were still a band they're just like waiting outside in their cars for us to finish our little our little album right or any or train train could be waiting outside train was waiting outside it's a yeah it's a it's a mythical place with pressure like that could sisters make it work we just got super busy. I mean, we were like animals in there. We were like little woodland creatures, like scurrying like along the rafters from instrument to instrument. We're I feel like we were very efficient. We're efficient. We're a band that comes in knowing our parts. So we, one take Westman, that's a nickname. Um, we just do a couple of takes and we really don't like learn our parts as we're recording. We come in and we already like know what we're going to do. We had already recorded every one of the songs at least twice. Yeah. As demos in our basement. If not four or five times in different iterations. So we, re- we, we, knew, we knew what we wanted to do. And then Ryan Hadlock, the producer who runs Bear Creek, he, he really kind of created a, an atmosphere where we could experiment and try things that worked out and try things that didn't end up working out. We laid down a lot of tracks. They kept talking about how many tracks we were laying down. Like, that was a thing. Mm-hmm. That was a real problem. A full-length record is now under their belt, and the next big challenge for Sisters is Drink Champagne's upcoming Valentine's release. I feel like we've always had a pretty easy time creating and getting shows and getting to where we are now. I, I would say, honestly, this feels like the murkiest water we've been in because we haven't put a lot of effort into a release and we're doing it by ourselves. Um, you know, we, we have a, um, we have a small team and we're really leaning on each other in ways that we, I think we probably never expected to, to get through this release in a, in a way where we're going to feel creatively, artistically and financially satisfied yeah Yeah, i mean it's just like the hardest part is is knowing what the right answer is for how to move forward and like who to trust even like do we trust the people that are tied to us that are in the kind of old style industry who's you know at times we just don't see eye to eye with them because we that doesn't really work anymore Wonder.
second single from their upcoming LP. When Buck was released, the duo described the song as a reminder of the togetherness and love we can still feel in the midst of modern-day societal isolation. Like bands like OK Go, they're finding a way to communicate togetherness through hard times like the recent election. Yeah, I mean, it sucks. <laughs> um, we feel for you know various reasons, I think, pretty um we've we've been uh we put a lot into the election and um into the social movements that are surrounding the election and you know at the end of the day you got to try to pick your head up and look out the window and it's the same world that it was two hours ago or two weeks ago you gotta find those connections to people who matter to you and um just reach out to them i just keep trying to um find ways to relate to anybody even like it's so apparent now that like we're so different than so many people like more people than we thought maybe we were were different than but we're not even really different from them you know what i mean like Everybody wants the same things. We we sing about that on the record, too. You know, ideas that just, like, we're all the same, no matter your understanding of the world and, and the world, your personal world you live in might be so small. How could you even, how could you even know what else there is out there? But, like, ultimately, everybody really does want the same few things, you know? And so... You just can't, like, dehumanize each other. Everyone, even, like, we can't dehumanize anybody else either. Like, I don't know. Yeah, not, definitely not if we don't want to be dehumanized. Yeah, so that's kind of where I've been, what I've been trying to think about. The release of their first LP has given them freedom to explore how they want to set up their business as artists. Every time we focus inward and we... we get creative with our business decisions and with our artistic decisions we're really we're always really happy and and sometimes you know we we might miss the mark financially because putting that together is a whole different separate struggle but but what when when we focus inward and we we make decisions that you know reflect our instincts you know our our gut reactions to to scenarios then we were always happier than trying to do things because we feel like the industry wants us to do them a certain way or that they're you know they're traditionally done a certain way um usually that that throws us off course Mm -hmm. i mean and there are some things that we won't be able to break into ourselves necessarily like getting into commercial radio is like we can't do that alone you know you have to kind of deal with the industry at that rate but i think being able to appropriately find the balance between the two worlds in a way that like they're happy we're happy and we're on a good path and we can afford to you know keep doing it the band is thinking outside of the box for this album we're trying to treat our band like a like anybody would treat a startup company um so we're entertaining partnerships that transcend the music business altogether um so for instance our album is called drink champagne so we've been in touch with some anchor champagne brands um 
and we're we're talking through partnership deals with with some or you know with, with some brands like that and um you know we're hoping to extend those relationships beyond the typical brand product placement um form of of sponsorships uh we're trying to make creative partnerships with the with the brands that we're working with the band signed a sponsorship just this week with champagne nicolas for la france for their upcoming release shows it's just the first step in what could be a big year for sisters including upcoming tours they hope to release their follow-up lp later in 2017 I, I keep thinking about this because it's on our mind because we're about to release our first full-length album. But I would just, I mean, I actually have thought I would love to give this advice to a young band because I'm feeling it so much now is to just trust trust yourself, trust your instincts, and don't, don't make decisions based on what you think the industry expects of you. Um, and... Uh, find any opportunities for consistency in branding, in photography, in the way you record, in the way you write, in the songs you choose for your album. Choose that that line of consistency that tells a story and don't stray from it unless it's absolutely not working. Um, Yeah, I would just say try not to Hopefully you have enough people that you're each going to carry some weight um, and try not to do too many things at once like because you don't want to half-ass any one thing. Um, so just kind of whittle things down so you can do each thing really well and don't do a bunch of things poorly. And we're really interested in uh, collaboration with other bands and musicians that we like. Um, and we would just choose to exist in a more fluid way than like a typical band might um you know make a record and go tour it Mm -hmm. and then come home and play a show and make another record and tour it Mm -hmm. and not make any money and come home and then you're like 45 and you're like well i don't know (laughs) should probably do something else so we are more interested in creating um longevity for ourselves um you know i am an orchestrator so it'd be nice to tie that in and and maybe we can work in film and, and other mediums and like just nothing. There's nothing typical about how we see our trajectory. Emily and Andrew aren't actually sisters, but they are continuing to expand the next phase of their sisterhood. With openness and vigor, their music is uplifting and celebratory. And a year where celebrating in connection has been hard fought. It's why after hearing them at Treefort earlier this year, and listening to the pre-release of their album, I couldn't keep away. And you shouldn't either. You can find out more about Sisters at www.sistersTheBand.com. Drink Champagne is out Valentine's Day, 2017. You can buy the tracks featured on today's episode, Buck and Trails, on all major online retailers. You're listening to Gritty Birds on X-Ray FM. And we are Sisters. Sisters. Thanks for tuning in to Gritty Birds, an X-Ray FM radio show and podcast. You can follow me on socials at G-R-I-T-T-Y-B-I-R-D-S. Tell me, what's your story? The full and mostly unedited version of the show will be up exclusively for supporters on Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you can access full transcriptions as well as unedited conversations. 
That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N slash Gritty Birds. Gritty Birds is produced by me, Jenny Ren Stotrup, with the amazing support of Extra FM. The episode was scripted with the support of Ryan Wolf Strood. This week's board operator is Dan and Drips. The episode was transcribed by Christina Donaldson. Our voiceover was recorded by Sean Flora. See you next week for our year-end wrap-up.